everyone. Welcome back to a brand new series of the Power Hour podcast. It is so good to be back and I couldn't think of a better guest than to kick off the first episode of this series than TV host, author and motivational speaker Mel Robbins. I have followed Mel's work for years and this episode, this conversation just really reminded me of the very first Power Hour podcast that I first recorded way back in 2018. I really loved this conversation. I know you're going to love it too. So let's dive straight in. Welcome to the Power Hour. I'm Adrienne Herbert, wellness coach, international speaker and author. Each week, I speak to a variety of guests from business founders to Olympic athletes, leading coaches, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, their rules to live by and what motivates them to get up out of bed each day. Personally, I am on a mission to encourage, motivate and inspire, so I hope that the Power Hour will help you to achieve your personal and professional goals. Mel Robbins, welcome to the Power Hour podcast. Oh, well, thank you for having me. I'm so fired up. Let's have a Power Hour, baby. Honestly, I mean, Mel, I have followed your work for years and I've heard you speak. I've watched you deliver talks. I first was introduced to you actually four, maybe even five years ago. And I heard you speaking on Tom Bilyeu's Impact Theory. And ever since then, like I said, I've followed. And that was years before I started this podcast show. It was years before I started delivering keynote talks or doing workshops or writing my first book. So it really is such a personal kind of just amazing moment for me to be able to sit here looking at you, interviewing you and just saying welcome Mel Robbins to the Power Hour. So thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I um, I love knowing that I have been a small dot on the map of your life in terms of the, the impact that you're trying to make. And, you know, that's something that you and I are going to talk a lot about that I think that it's easy to stand in the present moment and look backwards and see how everything connects. And what my intention is in talking to you right now is to make this moment, as someone is listening to our conversation, be a dot that connects forward, that this is a conversation that has somebody find the courage to pivot or has them have a perspective change that frees them up from the guilt or the people-pleasing or the insecurity that is keeping them stuck where they no longer should be. So my intention for our conversation today is that this empowers somebody to make a very meaningful change that they've been thinking about, but have been too scared or too stubborn or too whatever to actually do. Absolutely. Me too. And I think the the key part for me on that is actually taking action. Because as you said, we think about things sometimes, you know, when the time is right or tomorrow I'm going to do it or next week or next year. But actually, as you said, sometimes hearing something from somebody, it just comes at that moment and you're ready and it gives you that extra push. So I agree. I really hope that everyone listening, I'm sure they're going to get so much from this conversation. Now, Mel, you've helped millions and millions of people. Your words have changed people's lives and in some cases even saved people's lives. I know that you receive messages from people People who sadly have been close to suicide, but then hearing you speak has changed something for them. So I guess, you know, something about your honesty, actually, the candidness in the way that you show up and the way that you allow others to be honest and to be vulnerable. And I think maybe just your ability to, to 
express an idea that maybe someone's heard before, but hearing it from you is incredibly powerful. So I'd love to start off by asking you, with all of the work that you've done, all the people that you've spoken to, what are the kind of universal truths that you've learned? Because I think we all think our own challenges or our own struggles, you know, they're so unique to us. We're the only person going through it. But actually, I think as a common, you know, global collective, we've all been through a lot, especially with with the pandemic. So, yeah, what are the universal truths that you've learned when it comes to the problems that we all face? Wow. Okay. well, there's a lot to unpack. So let me just first say something about um, the number of lives that we that I have had the enormous honor to impact, because here's the the thing. I think one of the reasons why what I talk about resonates so deeply is most of the stuff that I'm sharing. I didn't first learn about it because I read it in the book. I validated it by doing research and talking to people way smarter than me. But most of the stuff I'm sharing is a result of me screwing up my own life and having to save my own ass. And so I think that what happens when you're sharing ideas, not from a place of I've studied this and I know more, but like my life was fucked up and I was really in a dark place and I had to figure out how to pull myself up by my bootstraps or my knickers or my panties or whatever you want to say. And I had to figure out how to look myself in the mirror and keep going. And, you know, one of the most important stories in my uh, career comes from a gentleman in the UK, actually. His name is Steve Montgomery, and he boarded a ferry with the intention of jumping over. And he had been a veteran. He was very, very unhealthy at the time. He had struggled with PTSD, and he was so overcome with just the sort of circumstances of his life and the things that he was dealing with that he thought in his despair that this was the answer. And so he gets to the edge of the ferry and he's about to jump overboard in the UK. And all of a sudden he remembers this crazy lady from the United States and he remembers this five second thing because deep inside him, he was thinking this isn't the answer. This isn't the answer. And the, 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 the thing is about life is that you can know what you need to do. The secret is knowing how to push through the fear, the despair, the hopelessness, the anger, the upset, all of those emotional kind of webs that can make us feel so trapped. And what he remembered is this sticky little thing that I created during the worst moment of my life called the five second rule. And I think one of the reasons why what I share is so powerful is it does sound kind of simple and in many ways kind of stupid. And that's why it's easy to remember. But when you slow down and unpack the tools that I share, the five second rule, the high five habit, we'll get into a ton of these things today. You're able to remember them. And the science works in using this simple tool. And so Steve remembers this simple thing from this crazy lady that he saw on the internet, Mel Robbins, and he just starts counting backwards, five, four, three, two, one. And that simple action of counting backwards gave him a moment of control at a time when he was overcome with despair. 
And when you gain a moment of control by counting backwards, five, four, three, two, one, you can choose what you think or do next. And so he chose to turn around and walk over to somebody in a uniform, explain what was happening. They had an ambulance waiting for him. When the ferry got to shore, he got the help that he needed. He's, he's one of 111 people that we know of that have remembered the five second rule, five, four, three, two, one in a moment of crisis. And those are just the people that have written to us. And, you know, I, I say this with a profound sadness, knowing that I have lost people that I have loved in my life to depression, to addiction, to these diseases of hopelessness. And so, you know, I'm on this mission to share things that you can remember, that you can use, that are free, that anybody of any age, of any background can put to use in their life to either take control in a moment, to find courage when you need it, to cheer yourself on and give yourself the support and love you need to face life. And so, you know, when you ask the question about what are kind of the big things, the themes of life, so to speak, that you want people to take away, I would say in broad strokes, and then we can get into the tools. Number one, the pain that you're feeling in this moment will go away. That this moment that is hard is temporary and you have the ability to face what's going on in your life and not only face it, but to survive it, to move through it, to be stronger after it, and to use everything that you have learned during this moment to become a better, stronger, more like amazing and happier you. And I can say that because, you know, I've, I've learned all this stuff during the really hard moments in my life. And I've come to realize that the confidence and the resilience and the courage and even the sense of fulfillment that we're all seeking in life, it doesn't get built during the good days. That stuff is like steel. It gets forged in the fire of your life. And so trust me when I tell you, yes, this sucks. Yes, this is hard. Yes, this is painful. Yes, there are days that you just want to stay in bed and not face the day. The fact is, all of these moments in your life are preparing you for something incredible that hasn't happened yet. And when you hold on to that hope, you will get through it. That's number one. Number two, the second thing I want to tell everybody, and this comes from my pal, Brendan Burchard. And I think it's just genius. And that's this. At any moment when you feel like it's just too much, I just, this is, I just, when, when is, when are the hits going to stop coming? When am I going to stop feeling so bad about myself? Here's what I want you to feel. Because when you start to feel those things and say those things to yourself, you get caught in this triangle of hopelessness, of isolation, and of feeling like you're a burden on everybody. And what I want you to stop and say to yourself is this, you know, of the nearly 8 billion people on the planet, I wonder if anybody else has dealt with a breakup or dealt with a job loss or dealt with losing somebody. I wonder if there's another human being that has gone through what I'm going, going through right now. Like when we start suffering, we tend to get trapped again in that net of emotion and we forget 
There are so many other human beings who have lost a child, who have had a relationship end, who have gotten a terrifying diagnosis, who have felt utterly lost and broken or bankrupt or whatever. And when you lift your head out of the sand and go, I wonder if somebody else has gone through this, and you start to talk about what you're dealing with, or you go to Google and you type in what you're dealing with, you will be startled by the number of people that have gone through exactly what you're going through and have come out on the other side of it. And when you can see that other human beings have not only survived what you're dealing with, but they have gone on to thrive, they've gone on to learn from it, they've gone on to find meaning in their lives, I think it lifts this sense of isolation and it gives you the freedom to start to talk about it. Because the second you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm just having a really, really hard time. I, I, I uh, am in the middle of a lawsuit. You say that to somebody, they'll be like, oh my gosh, that happened to me too. Or, oh, I'm having a really hard time. My kids got terrible anxiety. Oh, we went through that too, you know, when my son or daughter was. So you've got to also start talking because you're not the only one, even though it feels like you are. Yeah, and you know what, Mel, there's so much of what you said. I'm nodding along because I'm thinking, you know, to say to people, yes, I've been through that too, or lots of people have been through, whether it's, as you say, a divorce, whether it's a loss, whether it's a career, you know, something that you've worked so hard for, a business failing. Often people will say in that moment, they might think, well, that's not helpful to think, well, someone else, you know, this is happening to me. But actually what you said about they've survived it, but actually what comes next, you know, looking at people who we are no one's exempt from adversity from failures from setbacks yourself and myself included and I think actually that's what I like about it is looking to the next thing and saying well what did they do next some people as we know unfortunately are defined by those failures or by those losses or by those setbacks and that's the rest of their life the rest of their story is this happened to me and that's the end whereas what I love about as I said, someone like yourself or myself or people who, yes, we've all had struggles, setbacks, and we've talked about them, but it's not going to define you because next, what are you going to do? And, you know, I, I know you you say in the book about at the start of the pandemic and how, like many people, the rug was pulled from underneath your feet, you know, with your business and your world was turned upside down. It's not the case that, you know, you're sitting here telling us and your life's been perfect. And, oh, it's easy for you, Mel Robbins. It's I think that's the point for me is like, OK, these things happen to everybody, even to the Mel Robbins of the yes. world. But what do you do Well, next? and here's the other thing I want to say. You're welcome to spend your life beating yourself up. You're welcome to spend your life making yourself feel horrible. You're welcome to spend your life pounding yourself into the ground. And, you know, everybody in the UK gets a bad rap for being kind of dreary and negative. You know what I mean? And like, because, my, you know, I, interestingly, my uh, two neighbors across the street are British. My husband went to the American school in London and we always joke around how, oh, here comes Mel, she's so Frickin' sunny, you know, like they're constantly on my case. But the fact is, is it working for you? That's the bigger question. Is living in misery, pounding yourself into the ground with your own thoughts and your own dialogue, is it working? Does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel inspired and motivated to uh, take that painting class? or get back out there and start dating again? 
does it, does it work for you to beat yourself up? Because if it does, keep doing it. If you really enjoy like making yourself feel terrible, keep going. But if you're tired of it, then there's a way to break the habit of it. And see, that's the thing that I think most folks don't realize is that the negative narrative that you have about yourself, about your life, about what you're capable of, it's just a habit. Just like biting your nails is a habit. It's a pattern of behavior. Thinking patterns are patterns as well. And what is life-changing is when you realize that you can spot those patterns of thinking that really make you feel like crap and you can interrupt them and then you can replace them with something that actually makes you feel good, that makes you feel a little more encouraged and motivated, that doesn't have you go through your day feeling like there's a constant beatdown. And that's the piece that I think is life-changing. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm also big on habits too. And I'd love to talk to you, Mel, about your new book, High Five Habit. So I was lucky enough to read an early copy. And one thing that you talk about right at the start of the book that really stood out for me was when you talked about the the focus on self. So you talk about self-worth, self-esteem, self-love, and the fact that these all start with the self and almost this idea that we have to take responsibility for ourselves. I know that, you know, with a lot of the work that I do and the people I speak to, they almost, they want other people to, you know, encourage them, other people to give them advice, other people to give them support, other people to give them validation and approval. And this person will know what's best for me. And maybe I should get advice from here. Or what about my 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 parents might think or my boss or my friend and sometimes that idea that actually maybe you know what's best for you and that idea of self I really really liked so why do you think it's so important that actually we start to take responsibility we turn and look at ourselves and if that's a really new thing for someone listening how can they start to practice that okay so it's a great question you're absolutely right all those things that we seek in life self-confidence self-worth self-awareness self-validate, like all of it, the word self is in it. And I think one of the reasons why so many of us feel insecure and we struggle with people pleasing and we're constantly feeling anxious about how we fit in or what we should say or whether or not we should send the text or what it means if they left us unread or what, what, like all of it. So much of it is because you have a habit of looking outside of yourself for your own worth and for encouragement and for validation. That if you have enough likes, that means you're okay. If the number on the scale is a certain number, that means you're worthy. That if you have a certain amount of money or you drive a certain car, you're in a certain kind of relationship, that all these things outside of you define your self-worth. That's why we are all insecure, we are anxious, we are people pleasers, And we have given our power away. And what I'm here to prove to you is that you will never be fulfilled to the level that you deserve. You will never reach the dreams that you were born with, encoded in your DNA. You will never experience the contentment and the joy that you are hardwired to feel until you can stand in front of a mirror and look yourself in the eye and see a human being 
that is worthy of celebration, empowerment, encouragement, and joy right here, right now, no matter what's happened in your life, no matter where you are, when you can stand in front of a mirror and see a human being that is worthy of that, you will know the secret to everything. It begins with you. And look, I'm, you know, 52 years old. I didn't discover this until literally a year ago. So let me tell you the quick story about the five, the high five habit. So like everybody, the pandemic kicked my ass and I found myself in a situation where I had been hosting a daytime talk show. It was my dream job. And they find COVID at CBS Broadcast Center in New York City, and they cancel my show with five minutes notice. We evacuate the building. I don't get a chance to say goodbye to the 130 people I'd spent a year working with. On top of that, the truth is I had just been fired from my dream job. As I'm driving um, back to Boston and seeing New York City disappear in the skyline, I'm thinking, what the hell just happened? This was in March of, of... uh, 20, I, like at this point, it's all such a blur. It's unbelievable of 2020. I get home all of a sudden speech after speech, after speech, after speech starts to cancel. Then my book contract cancels and the publisher now wants me to return money I've already spent. So my business is now in a free fall and it starts to trigger me because a decade ago, my husband and I were a million dollars in debt. He had a restaurant business that was going under. I was unemployed. The financial financial crisis in our lives was so bad. There were liens on the house. We were facing bankruptcy. I could barely get out of bed. That's the moment in my life when I invented the five-second rule to help me get out of bed. So here I am now in 2020 thinking that I had figured life out. Now I'm in a free fall feeling like I'm trying to pack a parachute as I'm falling off a cliff. The kids come home because college is now imploded. They're in massive states of distress. I'm worried about my parents. I'm worried about the frontline workers. I'm worried about what's going on. I am just in a psychological drain circling where I am going down. And when you start to have a negative attitude, It's sort of like lint in a dryer. Once a little lint starts to capture in that filter in a dryer, it starts to build and it can take you down. And this is why I want to teach you a number of things. And we're going to start with the actual high five habit, which is a habit of encouraging and empowering and lifting yourself up when you feel yourself going down. So that very first morning, what happened was this, the alarm went off. I used the five second rule, five, four, three, two, one to get out of bed. Now, I always make my bed in the morning, and on good days, I make my bed because it's a way to practice simple discipline, to just do that quickly. It's also nice because when I come back into my bedroom, I don't have a mess to clean up. And the other thing is, is then I've got this beautiful place to go down and lay down and sleep and dream at night. But that morning, I made the bed so I wouldn't crawl back into it. Like, that's how I was feeling. So I walk into the the bathroom, I'm standing there in my underwear, I'm brushing my teeth, and I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror. And I think, God, you look like hell. And the woman I saw in the mirror looked so tired and so overwhelmed, I felt sad for her. 
you know, her, her neck was all wrinkly and her eyes were tired and she had the dark kind of circles and bags and, you know, gray hair coming in and, you know, one boob is hanging lower than the, the next one. And as soon as you start to critique yourself in the mirror, now your mind is going to think about your day. Oh, I got up late. I got a Zoom call starting in 10 minutes. I'm behind. I didn't, I didn't text that person back. The dog is sitting there at my feet. I still have to walk and feed the dog. Like I'm now starting to go, you know, you always do this to yourself. Why can't you get up? Like just pounding myself into the ground. And I felt just overwhelmed by my life. And I don't know what came over me that morning because I'm one of the most successful motivational speakers in the world. But that particular morning, looking at my sad reflection, I didn't have a damn thing to say to myself. You know, if, if you had bumped into me, I would have been able to talk to you. I would have been able to cheer you up. But looking at myself, couldn't think of a thing to say. And for whatever reason, as corny and as cheesy as it sounds, I found myself raising my hand and high-fiving my reflection. And the second I did it, I felt something shift inside of me. And I can now explain the science in terms of physiologically and in your brain what's going on when you raise your hand and high-five your reflection because it's just bananas, the science on this. But I felt like a little shift in my mood. I felt my shoulders drop. I kind of chuckled at how stupid it was. And here's the thing, that high five that morning didn't change my life, but something shifted in me and I went on with my day. Now this second morning is when things got really weird. So I woke up the second morning, five, four, three, two, one, get out of bed, I make my bed. And as I started walking to the bathroom, I noticed something. I noticed that I was looking forward to seeing the woman in the mirror. And the way that I would describe it is right before you and I logged on, I felt this like surge of excitement because I was looking forward to seeing you and to talking to you. Now, I think for 45 years, I have either criticized or ignored myself when I look in the mirror. I don't ever remember looking forward to seeing myself. I might've looked forward to seeing an outfit I was wearing, or I might've looked forward to checking out what my makeup looked like, but I have never ever felt that feeling of I'm looking forward to seeing the person in the mirror. Like I'm greeting a friend. And uh, yeah, it was incredible. And so I kind of kept this little high five ritual. What I would do is I'd brush my teeth. I'd put my toothbrush down and it started to evolve where I would stand in front of the mirror. I'd put the toothbrush down and I would just be with myself. And I think, okay, what game do I want to play today? And I would think about like, how am I going to show up today? What's the thing that I really want to make progress on today? Like, what's the game I'm going to play? And then I would raise my hand and I'd look myself in the eye and I would seal that intention with a high five. And then after about two weeks of doing this, I was noticing something. I was no longer leaving the bathroom every morning feeling like I was dragging a boulder 
I felt the wind at my back. I felt like I could handle it. I felt like, okay, this sucks, but I got this. Or I don't really want to have to deal with this, but I'm going in and I'm going to do it. And I started to notice that my confidence, my sense of resilience, my happiness, all of it was starting to just build and build and build and build. And one day I posted a photo of myself, you know, looking back, I wish it had been something kind of glamorous because this thing is now like gone around, but I got my retainer in and bedhead. It's, you know, and within an hour, more than a hundred people had high fived themselves in the mirror, posted a photo and tagged themselves online. And I thought, you know what? Maybe this thing isn't so stupid after all. Maybe I should figure out why this feels so good. And that's what I did. I've spent the last year researching the science behind not only this high five in the mirror, but all kinds of little habits you can use to create habits of empowering, celebrating, and supporting yourself. Thanks so much for for sharing it like that, Mel. It's so always so honest. And you know what I loved when you said that maybe this feels a bit stupid. Maybe this feels a bit dumb. Because I'll be honest with you, I've heard a lot of people that I know and respect, you know, talk about things to do with using a mirror. So uh, my friend Jodie Shield, she has positive affirmations. You know, she tells people to post it note all around the mirror. David Goggins, he talks about the accountability of the mirror. And I think there's something really intimate and sometimes quite emotional, actually, about looking at yourself, your own reflection, looking in your own eyes. I know a lot of people will say when they try this kind of thing that they they don't know why, but they start to cry. Or sometimes people think, you know what, it sounds so silly and they feel silly. And so they don't want to even try it. So even if they're listening, they might be skeptical and thinking, I'm not going to talk to myself in the mirror. Mel, I'm not going to. But actually, if there is someone listening, thinking just that, what would you say to them about just actually giving it a try and not having yeah this expectation of what it's going to be like? Well, the first thing I would say is what have you got to lose? Uh, the second thing I would say is this, you will feel resistance. You will, you will think this is weird. And the reason why is sad. The reason why we are so resistant to the idea of having a moment and being with ourselves and then raising our hands in celebration is because it has become a habit to do the opposite. You have a habit of criticizing yourself, of beating yourself down, of focusing on what's going wrong, of second guessing yourself, of telling yourself you're not good enough. That's what you're doing all day long. And so just like dragging yourself to the gym after you have uh, gained all kinds of weight feels hard and feels weird and feels like, I don't want to, this is dumb, why am I doing this? Any change from what you've been doing that's programmed in your mind, your mind rejects it. And there's an even sadder reason why you are gonna stand in front of your mirror, mark my words, and you're gonna go to raise your hand and you're gonna feel this resistance. And the sadder reason why is when you stand in front of the mirror today, what you bring with you is an entire lifetime of regret, and judgment and shame and all of the stuff that you wish you could do over, that you beat yourself up over and you bring that to this present moment and you see yourself and you say, 
I'm not a person that deserves to be celebrated because I have survived trauma or because I've done these things that I regret or because I'm not where I'm supposed to be or because I don't think I'm a good person or I don't think I'm good enough. So that resistance isn't actually because you think this is cheesy. This resistance is your judgment about who you've been and your life to date. And that's why it's sad. The other reason why you might resist this is because you have been trained to believe that you only deserve celebration if you've achieved something. So unless you got the money in the bank, unless you're dating that person, unless you look like the superstar, unless you're driving the right car, you haven't done something worthy of celebration. So you withhold it from yourself. And what I'm here to tell you is all of the research shows that in order to change, in order to continue to do the work, to have what you want, the happiness, the fulfillment, the results that you want, you have to be encouraging, supporting, and celebrating yourself every single step of the way. Like think about the the marathons that you've watched. As those racers run by, what do the spectators do? They high five the racers, they cheer them on, they celebrate them. Not at the end, every single step of the way. And it's that encouragement along the way that keeps you going. Even David Goggins, you can't hurt me, right? Love Goggins. He's the tough guy. He's the Navy SEAL. I don't have that kind of stamina. But when he talks about what he uses, when he really feels like giving up, he has this concept called the cookie jar. He goes into his mind. He digs into the cookie jar of his mind and pulls out a cookie that represents something positive that's worth working for, that's worth going further for. It's a form of mental encouragement. That's what he's doing. He's not saying, you suck. Why would you give up now? He's not going negative. He's going positive. And so if you want to change, if you want to be happier, I am here to tell you all the research shows it's not going to happen unless you start encouraging, supporting, and empowering yourself right now. And as far as I'm concerned, if you've gotten your ass out of bed, if you're still breathing, if you can drag yourself into that bathroom and look yourself in the eye, you deserve a high five because of everything you've survived, because of everything that you're facing right now. And by withholding it, I personally think it's a form of self-abuse. Standing there, ignoring yourself, criticizing yourself. How the hell is that helping you? How? Imagine what would happen if you gave the same support that you give to everybody else, because that's what we're all doing, right? We're cheering for our favorite sports teams. We go to all these concerts of our favorite musicians. We buy people stuff. We plan birthday parties for the people that we love. We help our colleagues out with extra work. We do whatever is needed by our families. But when it comes to ourselves, we don't do anything. In fact, we it's even worse. We berate ourselves for not doing enough. And then you wonder, why can't you get off the couch? Well, because you've talked yourself into believing you don't deserve to feel good. So every single morning, I'm on a mission to get every human being on the planet to understand the second that you're done brushing your teeth, I want you to create this habit in the mirror where you have a moment with yourself. You think about the game you're going to play today, and then you raise your hand and you high five yourself. And 
over time, I think it takes less than five days, you will feel a tremendous shift inside of your body and inside of your mind. Wow. Well, it's, you know, it's so powerful. And as you described, you know, just the things that we do to for others, you know, I always say I'm a professional encourager. Every single thing that I do, whether it's this podcast, whether it's the book, whether it's friends, whether it's my son, I often say that is my gift from God. I will encourage people to say, you know what, book that trip, go for that job. You can do it. You, you know, why not sign up for the race? That's my job. But actually, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people in my network, in my friendship group, a lot of people that work with, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, they are very ambitious. They're high achieving people. They're not people who, you know, if you looked at their list of things they've achieved, they've achieved amazing things. And yet I often see those people more than anyone, whether it's a personal goal, a career goal, they continue to raise the bar higher and higher. They expect more from themselves. And this cycle, you know, I include myself in this, it continues and it's exhausting. And I think especially in the world of, you know, creative entrepreneurship, digital, you can do it all kind of vibe, which is great. As I said, I encourage people. I'm like, yes, start a podcast, do the thing. But everyone kind of says, okay, I want to start a show and they get 10,000 subscribers. Then it's like, well, this person has a million. And it's like, they get a book deal. Oh, this is not a bestseller. Or they run a marathon, but it wasn't an ultra marathon. So this I, this constant striving, and as I said, I include myself in this. Mel, help us. How can we break this cycle, this relentless striving for more and actually start to celebrate what we've achieved without becoming complacent because I fear complacency so that's why I push the bar like you've done this thing okay next thing and I don't really stop and go well done Adrian I'm on to you know yeah more 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 and it's exhausting and I don't think it's making people happy so yeah Mel what do we need to do these overachieving high ambitious it's too much well well first of all understand the overachieving the overachieving is a way to feel lovable So you've attached self-worth and being worthy of love with performance. I have too. That's why I understand this dynamic. I will never, ever be able to teach you not to do that. It's also part of the reason why you're successful. What happens when you start to practice this high five habit, and there are two aspects of the high five habit, because part of it, like it's all about bringing yourself from a low or negative mental state and energetic state into what I call a high five attitude. So let's unpack this. So the high five in the mirror is going to do a couple things for somebody who is an overachiever like you and me. Number one, it's going to slow you down and create a moment of being intentionally present with yourself, not the achiever, the person beneath the achieving who just wants to be loved. That's it. And so by being with yourself every morning, even if it's just for a couple seconds and seeing yourself and raising your hand in celebration, you will affirm the deepest need of feeling seen, heard, and loved for who you are that you're trying to affirm through all of this achievement. Okay. So that's number one. And number two is for those of us that are overachievers, like you and me, and perhaps you as you're listening to us, the drive never ends. 
But what happens for those of us that are driven by achievement, because we think when we're achieving, we're worthy of being loved, you don't feel fulfilled. You tend to focus and harp on what's going wrong. And that means you don't enjoy what you're doing to the extent that you could, because you're busy looking at all the things that aren't working quite right as you're doing a million other things correctly. And so slowing yourself down in the morning and raising your hand in celebration, support, and acknowledgement also starts to have you slow down enough to celebrate the small wins and shift your mentality from somebody that's constantly harping on the stuff that's not working to be able to see all the things that actually are going really great, okay? Now, the third reason why it's super important is because you mentioned comparison, right? You mentioned comparison. You mentioned it's not enough. It's only 10,000 subscribers. I didn't run an ultra marathon. I only ran this marathon or why even bother? Like this is why so many people don't start. Why would I even start a podcast? There's 2 million of them out there. I'm too late. And if I did it now, I'd be a copycat. Like, what do I have to say? That whole train of thought, low negative mindset. We got to flip you into a high five attitude, a different positive optimistic mindset. So it begins with this ritual every morning after you brush your teeth of seeing and being with yourself and high-fiving the mirror. But you also got to catch those moments when you get into comparing, when you get into jealousy, when you get into the procrastination that is driven by feeling like you're not good enough and it's not going to work out for you. The fact of the matter is There is enough success for everybody, period. And when you beat yourself up and pound yourself down with comparison and with insecurity, it stops you from taking action. And what I'm here to tell you is that one of the reasons why it's so easy for you or anybody that is driven to achieve because you think it's the only way that you feel loved. The reason why comparison can become so paralyzing is because when you look at all these other people that seem to be doing more than you, what's actually getting triggered deep inside of you is if you're not doing that, it means you're not lovable, even though you're doing this. So you're constantly raising the bar on what it's going to take for you to feel the love that you deserve and that you truly want in life. And I'm going, I'm telling you, when you can start to make yourself feel like I have my own back, what I'm doing is enough. I'm encouraging, supporting myself. I love myself for everything that I've survived. I'm really proud of that. And I also love myself enough to support myself going forward. And that when you come from that place, And then you see somebody that's got a million followers, or you see somebody that's got the house you always wanted, or you see somebody get get into that school that you always wanted to get into. Instead of feeling the sting of jealousy or the sting of comparison, and that sting is really you feeling like, well, if they've got it, it means I'm not worthy of it, or it means it's never going to happen to me. When you can get into a mode of flipping it and realizing, first of all, jealousy Jealousy is really important because jealousy is like a directional signal. Jealousy is your desire blocked by your insecurity. You see, you can only be jealous of the stuff you actually want. 
I'm not jealous of somebody who lives in a penthouse in New York City. Not at all. Sure. I don't want it. And it can drive you, right? Because that feeling can make you go, you know what? If she, could, like you're saying about flipping it, I think jealousy or envy, instead of trying to squash that down and being like, oh no, don't feel jealous or envious. Actually, maybe if it, as you said, it signposts you to say that's something you want, be inspired and think, well, if that person can do it, so can I. Of course. If that person can achieve that, I can achieve that as well. Not to say you have to copycat, but to say it is doable. It is possible because you, there you go. You've seen it. By the way, You'll never copycat because you're a different person. Even if you build the same set, even if you have the same format, you're a different person. You will bring something different to it. And copycatting might be the way that you get started. And so, you know, the thing that I want everybody to understand too is when you flip, so this is like another high five habit, flipping this negative mindset of jealousy into a high five attitude of, oh, let's just unpack it. I'm inspired by what they're doing. If they can do it, I can do it. There's 7 billion people on the planet. I can, there's room for all of us. And how does me wishing they would lose help me win? It doesn't, right? And, and like, it's that, and if I win, it doesn't mean they lose. Like there's so much room for everybody. And so the other thing, let's go back to the mirror. So let's say you're able to flip your jealousy into inspiration and go, oh, I guess I actually do want to renovate my house. I, I, I should probably embrace my ambition and figure out how to make the money to do it instead of constantly bickering with my partner about it. Like own it, own it. When you get into the mirror moment the next morning and you're standing there brushing your teeth and you've now just flipped jealousy or comparison into accepting what you desire and realizing if I put my head down and I do the work and I give up my timeline on this, I could make something cool happen over the course of the next five to 10 years. Like I, I don't have to sit here and beat myself down. If you then go to the mirror the next morning and you have the experience and the habits that I used to have, which is I bring all of that in my heart. I want to start a podcast. I want to go back to school. I want to renovate my house. I want to be happy again. I want to heal my trauma. And you put your toothbrush down and you look in the mirror and you go, ugh, I look like hell. Ugh, who are you to think all that? Which is all the stuff you've been thinking forever. How the hell does that help you get those things? It doesn't. It shuts the door on any motivation, on any sense of feeling validated or any sense of worth. That's why every single morning, it's like another step in the marathon of your life. You have to be the one standing there, starting the day, raising your hand in celebration and saying, I got you. I see you. I know we're just getting started. I know you're nervous. That's all right. You got this. I mean, think about what a high five. Think about all the times in your life that you have received or given a high five and tell me what does it mean to you? Just the gesture. And this is the other thing. You don't have to say a freaking thing. You do not have to say a freaking thing. This does not involve a pep talk when you high five yourself. Because what does a high five mean to you? Mm, that's a great question. I guess the I guess what it means usually in my context would, would, would be with, you know, running friends. If you've just completed a run or a race, it might be with my son giving him like a bit of a congratulations. Well done. You did a good job. You know, great job doing that. High five. So it's always like a, a, um, a moment of recognition to recognize and symbolize 
something positive. Yeah. And in addition, if you've got a teammate whose attitude's going down and you're in a huddle and you got to get them back in the game, high five, let's go, come on and shake it off. So you do it for love, for celebration, for support, for momentum, for energy, like it's all of that. And here's the cool part about a high five. And this is why it works. We've been high-fiving everybody else our entire lives. So when you raise your hand in that gesture to high-five somebody, all of the positive messaging programming is stored in your subconscious already. So what happens when you stand in front of the mirror and you high-five your own reflection is you tap into all of the positive programming associated with other people and you marry it with your own reflection. This is a whole field of research called neurobics. I, I didn't make this name up. It's like aerobic activity, physical movement with neurology, neuroplasticity, uh, neuroscience. All of the research in neurobics proves that when you marry an unexpected physical action with a positive thought, it's the fastest way to build new neural pathways in your brain. So the reason why this works is, number one, you don't have to say a thing. Number two, simply physically going to high-five the mirror, it opens up your subconscious mind and a lifetime of programming now marries with your reflection. The other thing, you, ra you raise the issue of your son. There was a study that they did where they wanted to know what's the most uh, powerful way to motivate somebody who is trying to do a very challenging task. And so researchers divided kids into three groups. They put one group of kids or three different groups of kids uh, together. They gave them something really challenging to work on. And then they wanted to know what's the best way to support somebody and get them to work longer through very hard challenges and still feel good about themselves, even though they screw up a number of times. So the first group, what they did is they uh, simply just praised something about the kids. They gave them a compliment. Oh, you're super smart. Uh, you're a really great student. We call this the fixed mindset. This is praising a trait. There's tons of research about it. And, you know, hearing that you're smart feels really good, but it didn't really help the kids work harder. The second group got praised based on the research around what's called a growth mindset, which is praising somebody's effort. Oh, you're really working hard. Oh, your perseverance is amazing. Oh, I love how you're attacking that problem. And the kids that were praised for their effort certainly did way better than the kids that were told that they were smart. The third group, you're going to love this. The third group, the researchers simply walked up to the kids, didn't say a word, and just gave each of the kids a high five. That's it. That third group outworked, out fulfilled, like literally trounced the other two groups. The simple high five was more motivating, more encouraging, gave them more resilience. The kids felt better about themselves when they were done. They worked through more challenges. Like the researchers were so blown away by the difference that they renamed the study, the motivational power of a high five, when they published the study in Frontiers of Psychology, an academic magazine. Now, the question is why? And you've already said why. The reason why a simple high five is so motivating is because it fulfills your most foundational emotional needs. The need to be heard, the need to be celebrated for who you are, and the need to be seen. When you raise your hand to yourself, especially in a moment of challenge, that high five recognizes that you're going through something. 
and that you need support. So you feel seen and heard. And it also makes you feel celebrated for where you are right now, even though it's hard. That's why it's powerful. That's just the beginning of the research we unpack in this High Five Habit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Wow, it's super fascinating. You know, it's, it's mind-blowing to really think that, as I said earlier in the show, for people that sometimes are skeptical about these kinds of things, and, you know, I am big on, you know, I'm not a woo-woo kind of wish for it kind of gal. You know, I've definitely throughout my life been the person that's like, okay, that sounds great, but what about action? What about practical things? And so for me, learning about, as you mentioned, neuroplasticity, growth mindset, and actually the physical, the link, as you mentioned as well, between, you know, our brain and our body, even for simple things like memory, you know, memorizing a keynote, I now know through research and through practice that actually you can cue your own brain through movement. For example, when I say this part of the speech, I'm going to fold my arms. When I say this, I move to the left. When I say this, I use, uh, I count on my fingers. And actually having those physical prompts in the body help people to remember really long speeches, you know? So I really think that this, uh, this, this using a physical prompt is so, so powerful. And I really hope that, yeah, people listening to this, I'm sure, are going to be blown away as well and that they'll try to try it for themselves in the mirror. But again, thinking about my son, I'm like, okay, this is something I can hopefully action, you know, with him as well. And I love, you know, we've talked about this being in the morning. Mel, the power hour for me, you know, it's all about the morning. And for anyone who's been listening to this show for a long time, they will know a lot of detail about my morning power hour. Essentially, the key message of it is not just to, you know, achieve more and do more and get up earlier. And it's not that. For me, it's about actually reclaiming one hour at the start of my day before I give my time, my energy, my focus, my everything to my work, to my son, to my phone, to my emails. That first hour, which I call the power hour, is dedicated to simply choosing myself and doing what I want to do in that time. So I always tell people, especially especially women actually, especially mothers, I say it's not selfish, it is not self-indulgent, it is necessary to choose yourself sometimes and to give yourself for me the first hour of the day before the day starts so of course obviously reading your book there was so much in there about you know why as you described doing this in the morning why you know before you start your day so I'd love to hear Mel I've asked over 120 people on this podcast now about their morning routine about their power hour if they have one so I'd really love to know as well as the high five habit, what does your first hour of each day typically include? And is there anything you avoid, any non-negotiables? What's that first hour like for you? Um, Great question. So um, first of all, my power hour in the morning begins the night before. So I I think, uh, you know, I always just wind down my day 
and I prioritize sleep. And I think the more successful and the happier I've become, the more boring I have become in terms of going out and going to bed early. But um, I think this is a really important piece. Every night, people often ask me, when do you get up? And I said, it depends upon the day. I don't have a set uh, hour that I wake up or time that I wake up because I think it's super important for me anyway to be very intentional the night before about what's actually going to serve me. And if I need to wake up 15 minutes earlier or 15 minutes later, I'm very, very intentional about thinking about when I am going to get up and how much time I actually need because I am not a snooze alarm person. When that alarm rings, it's a promise that I need to keep that I made the night before. So let me explain the process. So basically, as I'm you know brushing my teeth or whatever, I think about, okay, well, what is the what's tomorrow morning look like? I look at my calendar, I then figure out reverse engineering, how much time do I need? Normally, it's about 90 minutes if I want to get it all in for real. And so sometimes that's 4.30 in the morning. Sometimes it's five o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's six o'clock in the morning. Sometimes it's seven. Sometimes it's 6.45. I set my alarm intentionally. And when I set my alarm, I'm not setting an alarm. I'm making a promise. I'm making a promise to myself that tomorrow morning when this alarm goes off, it's going to be a promise that I need to keep so that I can set my day up for success for feeling grounded so that I feel supported. Then I put my phone in the bathroom. And this is really important. I put my phone in my bathroom because like everybody on the planet, I don't care what anybody says, we're all addicted to it. I can't be trusted with it. And so just like I don't have a box of chocolates next to my bed, I don't have a bottle of wine next to my bed. I uh, don't have weed next to my bed. I literally cannot have an addictive substance next to my bed. So I keep my phone in my bathroom, plugged in. Now, I do not have it on silent. I have, uh, we have a daughter that's in college halfway across the country. We have another one that is, uh, or all the way across the country here in the United States. We have another one that um, is constantly out and about. Our sons and like, people need to reach me. And I, as a mother, want to know I'm reachable. So I leave the ringer on. And here's an interesting thing. People will text you all night long but they won't call you unless it's an emergency. So phone in the bathroom, set the alarm intentionally, leave the ringer on, and then I go to bed. Now, here comes the morning routine. When the alarm rings, I use the five second rule, count backwards, five, four, three, two, one, to shift from your subconscious brain to awaken your prefrontal cortex. I get out of bed. I walk to the bathroom. I turn the alarm off. And the first thing that I do is I uh, give my heart a high five. And uh, I write about this in the book and the science behind why I do this. If you struggle with anxiety, if you're on edge, if you feel like you're always waiting for the next shoe to drop, if you never feel like you can get off that hamster wheel of racing, racing, racing around, you need to put this in your morning routine. Put your hands right on your chest here right in the center, touch your heart, touch your whole chest and close your eyes, take a deep breath and say, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. 
Now, for those of you that sleep next to your phone, if you've turned off the alarm, you can do this while you're in bed. I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved. You're gonna say it as many times as you need to say it until you feel your nervous system calm down. And the reason why this is important is twofold. Number one, I think almost everybody on the planet is running around with a dysregulated nervous system right now. The pandemic has put us all in a state of fight or flight. We've been on edge for more than 18 months. The news cycle, the polarization around the world, everybody is bracing. You need to start to soothe your weary nervous system. And the secret to doing this is the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve runs from the seat of you know, your bottom all the way up through every major organ, through your vocal cords, all the way around your brain. The vagus nerve is the on-off switch between your fight-or-flight nervous system and your calm nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system, fight-or-flight, parasympathetic nervous system, your calm nervous system. When you put your hands here, you tone the vagus nerve. It's a way to actually strengthen it. By taking a deep breath and then saying, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved, and repeating it over and over and over again, you are flipping off the fight or flight nervous system and you're calming your body down and coming back into your body. Now, this is important because what we know based on research from one of the world's leading neuroscientists, a woman by the name of Dr. Judy, Judy Willis, is that your prefrontal cortex, your ability to focus, it actually doesn't work when your nervous system is in fight or flight. So if you've got stuff you want to focus on, if you've got important work to do, if you want to be present in your life, you must first switch off the stressed out, dysregulated fight or flight on edge nervous system and switch on, I'm okay, I'm safe, I'm loved with the high five to the heart, the calm nervous system. Now you'll be able to focus. Now you'll be present in your day. Then after I brush my teeth, I set an intention for the day. I high five the mirror. Now, when I walk back through my closet, there laying on my closet floor is always my exercise clothes. And I lay them like a trap on the floor of the closet. That way, I put them on. If I have to stop and think about putting them on, I'll have a moment where I'll decide whether or not I feel like putting them on. So when they are on the floor, it's like a trap. And I would basically be saying F off, Mel, if I stepped over it. Then I make my bed. Sometimes I make my bed uh, after I set the alarm. It just kind of depends how close the alarm is and whether I make that. But, you know, I make the bed and I make the bed not like as some like, ooh, got to make the bed. But because I feel like it's a way to practice what I call simple discipline, simple acts that build this muscle of consistency in your life. And that way, when I walk into my bedroom later, we're all working at home, um, it's much, it's like pretty. I don't have a mess to clean up. And also when I come back to dream tonight, I got a beautiful place to lay down. So I always make my bed. So by now, by the time I leave my uh, bedroom, the bed is made. My exercise clothes are on. I have high-fived my heart and I have, I have turned off the on-edge nervous system, turned on the calm nervous system. I have set an intention and high-fived myself in the mirror. I now walk out into the kitchen. Um, oftentimes I will journal I uh, 
will then move my body. I think it's super important that you move your body. On days that I don't have time to do a big exercise routine, which for me is yoga or cycling or going for a walk with the dog, I will literally do a two-minute plank and we're done here. Um, And it's about then that I can start my day. Right. I I mean, I really hope the people are taking note. I actually want to loop back to two things that you said that stood out for me. So one being around, you know, the explanation of the nervous system and actually understanding that, as you said, for the last 18 months, maybe more for some people, depending on their circumstance, depending on their life, living in this fight or flight, it's, I can feel it. I was literally talking to a friend yesterday on the phone and we were saying that, there's so much uncertainty so everything from you know the kids go back to school but if somebody gets a case in the class what if they're back at home okay I'm going back into my office next week but maybe that will change oh I booked a trip but actually I have to do the COVID PCR test and if the result maybe I can't go there's all this maybe 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 so when we used to make a plan we would make a decision and we'd make a plan and we'd know what to expect. But I think as you described, this constant anxiety of fight or flight, like you've got to be ready to act. You've got to be ready to change your plans. You've got to be ready to have a plan B and maybe a plan C. And I think having that for so long, as you said, turning on the news and maybe tomorrow, actually, you can't go to the office anymore. Like all of these things that are actually out of our control and waiting and almost waiting for other people to tell us what we can and can't. It really is debilitating. And I I really like the idea that if you are doing a lot of things, which many of us are, you know, we're multifaceted people, we're working, we have kids, we have deadlines, we have all these things. It's easy to just get on, wake up, get straight on the hamster wheel until you're so exhausted that you fall back into bed. And I think that moment, like you said, described then, I was literally taking a deep breath myself. I felt my shoulders drop to go, you know what? Have that moment before the day starts. I love that. And then the second thing you said about the night before, you said, I'm intentional about the promise I make when I set my alarm. Now, again, I talk to people a lot about the power hour. I've written a whole book about it. But I say to them, you can't wake up in the morning and decide what do you feel like doing because you're never going to do the thing. You know, for example, you said about workout clothes. If I say to someone, okay, you're going to run one mile in the morning, you set your alarm, you leave your trainers one mile. If you, if I said to you, wake up and decide, do you feel like running or do you feel like yoga or do you feel like journaling or do you feel like getting breakfast? I feel like nothing. Right. (laughs) And in that moment when the alarm goes off, it's like, I feel like going back to sleep. Exactly. So I think the intention part for people of saying, okay, we've listened to you, Adrienne, talk so many times about the power hour in the morning, but the night before decide then. What are you going to do in that hour or in that five minutes? What are you going to do and decide the night before? Do not allow yourself to make that decision from the comfort of your duvet because it will not be so much harder. So, yeah, I really hope if you're out now, if you're on a treadmill right now, if you're walking the dog, if you're driving the car listening to this show, if and when you can, have a listen to what Mel just said in her routine and make notes, make it into simple steps. I mean, the steps in the High Five Habit book about this morning routine and how important it is. So yeah, I really hope people will action these things because often we listen, we listen to a speaker, we listen to a, an audio book, a podcast episode and we get inspired and we feel motivated and we put, we finish the episode and we're like, yes, listening to those two women, you know what? I'm going to do this. I can do it. But then we forget you know oh now I have to go to work so please do yeah try and do something actionable after listening to all of the knowledge and wonderful encouragement that Mel has given us today well and you know here's the thing it's not even that you forget it's that you're dealing with old habits so 
you have a morning routine right now and it's a habit. And that morning routine is probably hit the snooze button, drag your ass out of bed late, uh, walk into the bathroom, start criticizing your appearance, start thinking about the long list of stuff that you feel overwhelmed by, uh, literally uh, let the dog out, realize you're running late, eat something fast on the go for breakfast or skip breakfast whatsoever, start your day with a big cup of coffee, feeling weighed down by the, like I'm telling you, what you're doing right now is a morning routine. And if it's not working for you, interrupt those patterns by creating new ones. And the first hack is, if you have a hard time getting out of bed, you need to put that phone in a different room because then when that alarm goes off on that phone, you got no choice. You got no choice. You will be pissed off at us, but you got no choice. You also need to use the five second rule, five, four, three, two, one. And that will help you switch out of, oh, I don't want to, and push you to take action. And, you know, standing in front of the mirror, criticizing or ignoring yourself or not being able to look at yourself. We had a woman write to us and she said that she's had body dysmorphia for 20 years and she has not been able to look at herself. And this high five thing, Within five days, she's now looking at herself and smiling because she's not looking at her body. She's being, seeing past the physical and being able to see the human being in there, the human being who needs to be seen, the human being. This is a new habit. And so mark my words, you already have a morning routine. Yep. And if it's not working for you, change it, period, full stop. Thank you so much, Mel. Honestly, I could talk to you. I have so many more questions, so many more things that I would love to dive into. So I will hopefully invite <laughs> you back and we can do another episode sometime. But thank you for today. Awesome. I have one thing that I want to invite you and your audience to participate in. Um, we have, uh, you know, look, I know that it, it's it's powerful to do this standing alone in your underwear on your own, but I want to invite you to join 5 million people uh, who are going to wake up five mornings in a row and begin their day with a high five in the mirror. And we've created a free challenge called High Five Challenge. All you need is a name and an email address, and you can sign up and you get all kinds of awesome stuff. You get access to this amazing personal development app called Growth Day. You get me five days uh, in a row, high, uh, giving you a video that's training you all about self-confidence, self-love. I would love for you to participate. All you got to do is go to High Five challenge.com. Just go hi, the number five challenge.com. All the information is there, but I would love, love, love if you would join us, no matter when you're hearing this, the challenge is up and live, and we're here to support you as you learn the habits of supporting yourself. Absolutely done. I will be there and I really encourage you to do it as well, because that's the thing. The best advice is actionable advice. And as I say so many times on this show, I want to motivate. I want to encourage. I am a woman on a mission to help people actually make change in their life, actually achieve their goals, figure out how they're going to do it. So you have to start. You cannot just listen. So please do check it out, get involved in the challenge. And the book High Five Habit is available. It's online, it's in stores, it's everywhere. So make sure you grab a copy of that too. And again, Mel, thank you so, so much for being who you are, for the work that you do. I really, I mean, I hope that you know the impact. You'll never really truly know, I suppose, the amount of people that you've impacted, that you've inspired and that you've encouraged, myself included. So thank you so much. Thank you. Real pleasure to meet you and to be with you. 
High five, baby. High five. Boom. <laughs> We're on video right now. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. As always, I appreciate your time and your ear. So if you've enjoyed the episode, make sure you share it. Get in touch. Let us know. Send us an Insta story, a tweet. You can rate, you can review on iTunes, all of that good stuff and have an awesome week and stay safe. See ya. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.